Welcome to Criminal AF. And for those of you joining us for the first time, this is a true crime podcast. There will be talk of murder, rape, torture, assault, and pretty much any crime that would haunt you nightmares at any given moment. There will be detailed descriptions of said events, and there will be some vulgar language. Like fuck. We understand that Criminal AF is not for everyone, but we just ask that you at least give it a listen. If it's not for you, hey, thanks for checking it out. See ya. But if it is, welcome to the debauchery. Gerard Schaefer was a published author and a police officer in the state of Florida. But what he is best known for is the horrific, torturous ways he would murder innocent women. He was the crime-writing, crime-fighting necrophiliac. I'm Dave Jari. I'm Garrett Quarter. And this is Criminal as Fuck. What's good, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Criminal AF. Once again, I'm Dave Jari, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Garrett Quarter. How we doing? Thank you all so much for joining us on this fabulous day to talk about some murder. But first... We'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And you can learn how to save on your order of HelloFresh later in the episode or follow the link in episode description. We'd also like to give a huge welcome to our newest members of our growing list of debauched patrons. Oh, the numbers is up. I love it. Yes, sir. Sim Comics, Justin Ware, and Kelly Hilliard. Thank you guys so much. You are all now enshrined in the best group of criminals on the best. The number one true crime. (laughs) The number one true crime podcast. In the world. Yes, yes, yes. In my, hum- in, in my humble opinion, I think. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's not it's, an opinion, guys. Yeah, this is facts. In my humble facts. This is fact. Yeah, so thank you all so much. Now, you can become one of the debauched as well by joining our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Everyone gets ad-free episodes and access to our private Discord, which is heating up. Oh, I like it. Hot. Dude, some of those guys be posting some... Like, I, yeah. I appreciate a good dick. You know, you know what I love about our Discord is that, like, with, with all of our social media, it's, like, driven by us. We have to post something. We... But with the Discord, they pretty much just take it over. Yeah, you know? I love and, it. And we join. I in. love it. And the more yeah. people, the bigger the community's growing. Right. It's it's awesome. You know, we don't we don't have to sit there and like force conversations or force it. People just like do 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 post post yeah. post. You know, show look pictures, at this picture pictures. of a car accident. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look at this picture of uh, the cartel victim that got fucking his head skinned. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just go from there and talk about how yeah. we wouldn't want to. That wouldn't want to be one of us. How it bricks me up when I see that. <laughs> I do enjoy it. I do. <laughs> a graphic photo every yeah. morning. That's what you're missing, all right? So sign up for the Patreon, come join the Discord, That's right. and post your cartel videos. <laughs> uh, now, so those of you that join for the $5 tier or above, you will get all of our audible, video, and downloadable content, including the narrated scripts from every story, five-minute murder, and our Patreon-only bi-weekly podcast called Random AF. Now, do we discuss anything, Garrett? It, anything and everything. And so we do discuss everything. And as well. we always take suggestions from the Discord too. When That's we right. Ask, we, we throw it out there too. So yes. And do we hold anything back? Not at all. No. It gets pretty. You crazy. get our honest, our honest answer. For the higher tiers, you get all of this plus producer credits in every episode. Some goodies thrown in, like T-shirts, posters, coffee mugs, etc. Uh, to choose your tier, just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support or click on the link in the episode description. There are other ways to support Criminal AF as well, and one is by visiting our show on Apple Podcast, where you can leave a detailed review of why Criminal AF has had such a positive impact 
on your life and that of your families. Yeah, get the whole family. Get yeah. the get the, the kids to join in. Right. You know what I mean? We're, yeah. we're we're family friendly. Have grandma have grandma write a write a review on Apple Podcasts. Could you imagine? She'd be like, "Why? Well, I don't get it." Yeah. Oh, <laughs> She's like, "What is it? Why? Why do they have to swear? What is this fancy contraption you have here? Why do they have to swear? Do I have to send them a, a letter in the mail?" <laughs> But yeah, anyways, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the deal is with Apple Podcasts. Uh, maybe because you know so many other apps feed through that that feed or something through through them. I have no idea. But yeah, that's where all the the good shit fucking happens is that Apple Podcast. Yeah, so bump us up in the ratings if you love us, please. That's right. We appreciate it. Now the other way to show support is by rocking our merchandise. Go get you some merch, yes sir. Now there are tons of designs and products to choose from. You know, you can get a criminal AF pillow to snuggle on. Or since we're heading into summer here in the U.S., grab yourself a criminal AF beach towel. You know why? I mean, why the fuck not? We're just a multi-millionaire yeah. conglomerate now at this point. That's we right. got everything. Yeah. So there's so many great options. You can find them all at criminalafpodcast.com/backslash/shop. Next week we're coming out with the oven mitts. So be on the lookout. <laughs> be on the lookout. Mail call. Mail call. Mail call. So prior to every episode, we send out an AMA on Instagram for a chance for your question to be answered on the air. And today we have actually three that we're going to do. Ooh. Three of them. All right. We have a question here from Branderwall. Hopefully I pronounced that right. It is a question that we answered before, but you know, so we'll, we'll answer it again. It says, I always wondered how you two met and decided to start a podcast. Well, I will say the podcast was already started technically. And I had done the serial holic for, you know, a couple of years. So that was already, you know, going on. You know, I fell into some, some hard times and, you know, it, uh, it was hard for me to continue, you know, doing it by myself. So my friend Gary here, we work together. We've known each other since 2015. And I'm like, you know what, Gary? You talk a lot. I do. And I do. That would be perfect for the fucking podcast. So... You just wanted somebody to bullshit with. <laughs> like we do at work all the time. Right. I, I mean, that was basically my pitch to you. Yeah. It was like, Garrett, all I need you to do is fucking talk. <laughs> That's all I need you to do. You know, I'll take care of everything else, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Just fuck, I, I just need your mouth. I fell in love with this, though. It's <laughs> it's definitely... We're starting to... We, we talk about this on uh, in our Discord and in the Random AF, yeah. too, if you guys haven't heard. And we, we joke around how we're going to start another podcast called uh, The Twink and the Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's basically the just the gist of it, there, uh, Brandon Wall. So thank you very much for your question. Also, we have a question from our friend out in Yas Vegas. We have Lucy Vicky thirteen, and she wants to know why do you think America has such a high number of serial killers? And she says she wants to specify that she is a Brit from Oz, which means. He's originally from Great Britain and now lives in Australia. Mm. I would like to argue that I've heard that Russia's pretty gnarly. It's just that things don't get documented as much as they do in rural Russia in like the middle of nowhere. Correct. I've heard yeah. I heard Russia gets a little I wild. Do, I do have an actual maybe not an actual answer, but I do have a, an answer that makes sense. Is that United States. Are you going to brag here? I'm going to brag. Oh, and do I it. don't mean to offend do anybody We're else. We're the best country in the world. We we do have probably the best criminal justice. Not perfect. 
It's not perfect. It's not yeah. perfect. I love that one. It's not perfect, yeah. but it's the best. But it is huge. Um, huge. No, but yeah, with our FBI and everything like that, we we are crime fighting skills are up up there. You know what I mean? Where we know how to track people down. We know what to look for. We have the advanced technology. We have, you know, a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, that doesn't explain how we have like over two thousand fucking serial killers, and Great Britain only has like a hundred and something. Yeah, but you know. I, I, I see what you're saying. Plus, I think that the, they get a little bit more famous. I Imagine in, like, third world countries and stuff like that, how many go just under the radar for so long? Oh, yeah. Like, you go, like, like Kazakhstan, where Borat's from, and sh- like, countries right. like that. Borat. Like, there, there's no way that they're catching these guys. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It probably, like, that's, I mean, if you want to be a serial killer, let's be honest, just move to a third, like, I, wait, is it politically correct to say third world country? I don't think it is. I think uh, you have to say developing country now. Fuck if I know. I don't know. I'm it's, pretty, always, it's always been third world to me. It's it's always going to be third world. But yeah. I'm just saying, I, I actually do think that it's not. You're not supposed to say third world country anymore. You're supposed to say, like, developing country. Or something. I don't but know. I guarantee you a lot of third world countries has a, have a bunch of serial killers that go under the radar yeah. for a long time. I, I, I will say this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'll be pushing 50 years old here in a couple years. I I don't have the time. <laughs> to keep up with this? Patience. Nor the interest to keep up with any Dave. That's why you have me here, buddy. Any of the things that have changed in the last fucking three years, like from from COVID on, it was it was a wrap after that. It's just like what the fuck is going on? Your brain went scrambled. Yeah, that's why you have me here. Don't worry, I'm I'm not gonna fail you, buddy. Right. So I, you know what I mean. I'm I'm just I have luckily twenty years left in my life, hopefully. But, you know what I mean? I'm just, like, fucking wet. Now I understand why when people get older, like, they get ornery as fuck. <laughs> just like, just grumpy old man. Why, I can't, why can't I say retarded? Yeah. <laughs> God damn fucking Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. Like, I'm starting to get it, you know? Because it's just stupid. Like, so many like so many things, like, fucking change. It's like, why are you fucking changing it? Like, who the fuck cares? You know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, that's, the, maybe that's the Gen X in me. I don't fucking know. <laughs> But anyway, all right. So, Lucy, I'm going to say it's because our law enforcement personnel are maybe a little more advanced in, the, in catching them. But also, uh, we, have, we have so many of we them. We have a lot of fucking crazy ass <laughs> fucking people in the United States. Have you been to Florida? I'm, right. Uh, fucking Florida. <laughs> I, have you been to fucking Norwich, Connecticut, like fucking five feet down the oh, road from us? Oh, yes. Speaking you know of, guys, developing story here, by the way. Oh, Mohegan, uh, Mohegan Park. About. Yeah. About uh, let's let's go. Let's say you're talking about the yeah yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say so from where Studio Chloroform is, mm-hmm. where we're sitting right now. I could probably walk ten minutes down the road. A body was just found in a shallow body. grave. Yep. Gunshot wound to the head. Yep. And left. Right. About ten minute walk. So developing story there. That might be a future. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's might be a future episode. Right. Yeah, and it was it wasn't just like a drug addict that wandered around and fell asleep. Well, yeah, you know, usually he the, was shot in the head. Yeah, usually finally like, buried you know, in a shallow grave. You know, you walk to well in the, a public park that my kids played at like last <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, but they have the little pond with the ducks <laughs> yeah, you can feed. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful park. Yeah, you got a fucking like head washing. My up kids were there about a week ago, guys. So yeah. good. Luckily, we didn't find it. Yeah, yeah. So for for, for those that don't know our area of of Connecticut. Yeah, there's a nice little park. It's called uh, Mohegan Park. Mohegan Park. Very nice. It used to be like the the place to be back in the day. Got a, it's got a little rough. It's 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 got a little reputation now. It's, let's just say that it's not it's not uncommon to find a dead hooker somewhere. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. 
that we found a dead body. Yeah. Or a burning car. Yeah. Or like. Yeah. It's it's like it's if you if you want to like you know dispose of a body real quick or get rid of evidence, you just go to fucking. Movie the, the, the main problem is is it's a it's a major it's like a city, not a major city, but a, there's a city and then a beautiful huge park with roads that go through it and all that right. stuff. So it's easy for you to just take a right at the at, at the end of the city and yeah. then go up into a a, a wooded area wooded with area. no lights at all. Right. So. It, it's a it's a extremely small scale central park in yes. New York City. Yes, it's very with very little police presence. Virtually or, none. Or any presence at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a ghost town at night. So you could pretty much go to fuck you could do whatever the fuck. Yeah, you we want. could walk we could literally walk right now, ten minute walk to where the body was discovered. Let's you want to go after right this? Now? After the, after this. We'll go take a walk. Fucking sniff it out. Yeah. Don't worry, Criminal AF is here. We'll figure this out. <laughs> Criminal AF is on a case. Don't worry. All right, what was the question? I don't fucking know. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, the serial killers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We have a lot of fucking crazy people in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck, I'm, I'm talking, like, out there. But, hey, you know, that's what makes us fucking, I don't know, the joke of the fucking world. Who knows? Thank you very much, Lucy, for the question. We have one more, and this one comes from one of our Patreon members, and his name is Paul Hodge. Oh, great and wonderful Paul Hodge. Yes, and he would like to know, which serial killer would we be okay dating our daughter? Oh, no. It is kind of like, yeah. It, it, oh, that's fucking crazy. All right. I have my answer. All right, you go first. No, I'm going to let you go first. No, 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 no. because no, 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 I'm going to no, no. ruin it for you. Because No, because I have, I have a good idea. Like Because I don't want to... Cause I want to say like, do I pick one that liked boys? Cause then I know he won't kill him. That's where I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. But or like, does she have to die? Like, give me that. I need some like pre justification here. Well, first I started like when I when I saw this question. First I started asking myself, all right, which serial killers had a type, and did their type match my daughter's? You know what I mean? My well, I don't have a I don't have a. You got boys, bud. Yeah, but I I had I raised stepdaughters, so I'm just using them as my as my example here. So. Did any of them have a type, and, and were they like my stepdaughters? And I can name some, like Bundy, you know, like the brunettes. He liked the brunettes. He liked the brunettes, yeah. So Bundy would be out. Yeah. Uh, Kemper was, Kemper would go for anybody. He didn't would, matter. Didn't matter. He would chop their head off and fucking, like, oh, have conversations God. with it. Yeah. Uh, Berkowitz. Eh. Berkowitz is a weirdo. Just give me your give me your answer. Give me your answer. I'm I'm breaking them down, bro. All right, all right. I want to go with Dahmer. Yeah. I want to go with like uh, because Dahmer obviously he relax. I just want to take some pictures. Take some Dahmer liked to like men. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he could like you know use my daughter as as the token wife or whatever, and he can go continue in murdering men. Oh. So I instantly went the same way. I, I right when you asked that question, I was like, "Oh, I'll just pick a dude. I'll pick a guy who likes boys." Yeah. Because then my my daughter would feel safe. Yeah. So I was gonna easily. I easily. My first thought was John Wayne Gacy oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I was like John Wayne Gacy, and then Dahmer would work. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like that's the easy way out. That is the easy way out. So I'm gonna try to pick one that I'm just like, uh. I'm going with Ramirez. What? Fuck, I was going to say... No, I told you to go first. All right, now, Ramirez, yeah, but he's still creepy, dude. He is creepy. I'm going to go... They're all... It, it, so you're screwed regardless. Yeah. They're all fucking sickos. They're all going to fuck... Yeah. Well, I mean... Ramirez would do the same thing. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, like, pick... Like, you you have, you know, your daughter, and then picture what these... What, what their preference was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because obviously, like, I'm... We'll bring up Bundy again. 
Bundy killed 30 something whatever women. Yeah, but he had blondes in there. Well, they they resembled, they reminded him of his ex girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. So there was, there was like brown, like light brown, blondes, whatever. But yeah, he had he also had girlfriends that lived. You know what I mean? So what was now? You got to find rather than comparing the type of what they kill, you got to figure the type of what, their victims, who they let survive. But then again, you could also go the route mm-hmm. that the people that only like that liked the stalking, right? That liked like to be stalked, like they liked the hunt. Uh, of the killing too, yeah. Because then, if you're just dating, you already know the person. You have his connection. There's no, there's no stalking involved in this. There's no, right. there's no hunting that victim that yeah. that they get the kink from. Uh, That's yeah. why the night stalker yeah. is actually a very good choice. Yeah. Because he loved just watching people sleep. Yeah. And 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 he liked the thrill of breaking into the house. He liked he liked that part. Right, of it. right, right, right. So that that's why I that's that's why I was gonna go with Ramirez. So. So if we're if I'm oh, taking are, the, are we are we going off the the serial killer? No, we I, have here? no, no. I I just I saw his creepy ass over there. That's why I was thinking. But Gacy, if I'm gonna take the cheap way out, and then I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say what with about, you. What about your boy Raider? No, fuck that. That dude was. No, I don't even. No, no. Fuck Raider. Well, he was a Boy Scout master. He was a no out of his church. But yeah, he's still. His victims were fucking young. Um, no, yeah. So if we're taking the cheap way out, I'm going John Wayne Gacy. Because, yep. come on, John Wayne Gacy ain't touching a little girl. No. He wants that big, muscly 18-year-old boy. He wants that <laughs> he wants, meat. He wants the meat. Um, it's, I just instantly thought of the fucking, hey, muscly ox. <laughs> from, from Family Guy. The, yeah. the Herbert was his name. <laughs> oh, mm, Herbert. Chris. <laughs> I got some popsicles in the freezer. Get over here. You're I got a hole. Fast. Freeze full of popsicles. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. So I'm gonna go John Wayne Gacy because I know my daughter's safe with John Wayne. Might introduce him to some good looking dudes, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yep. And then <laughs> they won't last very long. But no. and then if I'm gonna take, if I have to take the harder choice, the one who actually has killed Boomin, I'm gonna go Ramirez because I feel like if you take the stalking out of the whole scenario and yeah. you just have he's dating her, yeah. he's not gonna get the rocks off. Yeah. I think that's the easiest way. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going with that as well. Although he was like. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, babe. Sorry, yeah. sorry. You gotta kiss a dude with some fucked yeah. up mouth breath, dude. Yeah. He's like, hey. oh, just a lot of H words. <laughs> yeah. How are you? How are you t- oh. doing? Could you imagine? That's the last thing you smell before you die, dude. Fuck. Richard Ramirez, his teeth are falling out. They're crumbling, bro. Now, obviously, you know everybody knows you're married. Now. I'm sure there's some moments when you wake up in the morning and, and like, you and Kelly are like... Oh, vice versa. Like, I hit her, too. And, like, she's just got her face, like, right in oh. front of yours. And, and she's like... <sighs> nothing beats... Hey, I think anybody who has kids, anybody who has kids understands this. Oh, yeah. There's nothing worse than a kid than a fucking kid rolling over in your face and just going like, Hi, Daddy! Yeah. Whoa, bro, it is... I don't know what it is about kids' morning breath, but it's the fucking worst. It's the worst. Now, now imagine that with Ramirez waking up in the morning. Oh, man. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, I had a wild dream. My teeth were crumbling in my dream, but then they were really crumbling in real life. Did you sleep well? <laughs> oh. Just breathing all over you. Or, you. or you wake up and he's just smiling at you. <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, dun. Good question though, Paul. Good question. Buffalo I like Bill. that one. That one is good. <laughs> Playing the Buffalo Buffalo Bill music. Ding, ding. His wiener tucked between his cheeks. <laughs> Do I look like? <laughs> Never mind. No, I'm not gonna do it. Go ahead, stand up. 
<laughs> 5,000 Patreon members and Dave's going to pose like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> 5,000. 5,000. Yeah, we're moving this up. Fucking 100 for the fucking poses. 100 for the poses, yes. But 5,000, you're tucking your balls between your legs and you're going to dance like a lady. <laughs> Come on, people. Get your friends to sign up. Oh my I'll God. make them do it, too. Ugh, no, I'm not. I'm telling you right now, I am not posing. Yes, you are. No. 100 Patreon members, guys. Rack it up. He already promised. 150. One fi that's fine. I'll take it. We're, 100 we're already at 40. What are we at? 42. We're at 42 right 42. now. 150, you're going to pose like the so, Jeffrey Dahmer Polaroid. 110 more. And I'm going to take the pictures. Yeah. 110 more. All it is is $2 a month for our Patreon. You get, you get <laughs> ad free episodes. You get ad free episodes. I think get... he wants to do it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's next? Uh, what's right. next? Oh, we're going to Florida. Oh, we want to go to Florida. Bye. <laughs> Florida dad slug 63 year old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. Okay. All right, May 4th. Yes. 2023. All right. What, what happened? Florida dad slug 63 year old umpire at high school game in shocking video. Shocking footage shows the moment an irate Florida dad sucker punched an unsuspecting umpire who's a military veteran during his son's high school baseball game last month. Jorge Anasio uh, Aponte Gonzalez. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. Do it fast. Jorge Anasio. <laughs> Jorge Anasio Aponte Gonzalez. <laughs> 41 threw the haymaker after his son began to mouth off to the popular umpire during the contest. So the son started it. The son started it. Okay. And then a piece of shit dad fucking yeah. backed it up. Well, I wonder where the son got it from. Then. According to Oscalo? Osceolo. Osceolo County Sheriff's Office. The umpire obviously is going to maintain control of the, maintain control of the game, said Osceolo uh, County Sheriff Marco Lopez, because this is what they do. Yes. Well, no fucking duh. <gasps> to make sure kids learn all about sportsmanlike conduct. Mm -hmm. Lopez said the umpire, whose name was not released, but who is 63 years old, told the youth to compose himself. The kid was being disruptive, so the umpire's like, hey, tone it down, maintaining control, Lopez said. They went back and forth a little bit. I don't know exactly what the exchange was, but it upset the father. After so the, the kid's a little fucking punk. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. That happens all the time, though. And then the dad's any, if the cat, if the dude, if the dad, if the kid is mouthing off to the umpire, right. the dad instilled this into him a long time ago. I've, I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. And I, there's that, the reason why we I cho we both chose this one when we, because I told him about it, like, I didn't know if it was good enough for, but it, we'll talk about it later. We'll discuss yeah. high school games and how fucking the worst dads in the world are baseball dads. Right. No offense to all those baseball dads no, they out fucking there. Are. After the confrontation, the umpire the walked over to a gate. The most caring mothers are baseball mothers. A hundred percent. Yeah. The umpire walked over to a gate near the Kissimmee field to <laughs> wait for colleague to reveal his previous things. <laughs> the footage then shows the suspect then walk up over to him and launch a punch from behind, knocking the umpire to the ground. Shocked and distressed, players, parents, and other witnesses came to be seen rushing over to the end of the conscious victim. We'll watch the video real quick. Yeah, now, now, let, me, let me just, I'm just going to reiterate this. Now, the, this is one of the ones where where I did see and I, I, I kind of knew about it already. Uh, you know, this, this Florida man. Now, the kid is a little fucking punk. He's talking shit to the fucking uh, the umpire. Umpire's like, listen, kid, fucking chill out. You know, no, play, no, this isn't the place for that kind of stuff. And the dad comes up and he doesn't even like fucking square up with the ump. No, he's, he's sucker, fucking sucker punch. Sucker punch him. Which is the worst. He like came up behind him and hit him on the fucking side of the head. And the ump didn't even see it. And I'm, I'm going to say it right now. 
Like anybody who fucking hit somebody like that, you're a little fucking bitch. Yeah. And I see a lot of videos, like especially like young kids, like yes. they'll, they'll have their buddies videotaping, <laughs> and people just walk up to fucking strangers. You, you can see the other the, the friend walk, a circle around like a fucking right. cheetah. Yeah, like a cheetah. Wait. Yeah. And just comes up right behind somebody and just fucking sucker punches them in the fucking head. It's the worst. You're all no. a bunch of fucking bitches. Square up like a fucking man. That's that's actually super dangerous too. Yeah. Super dangerous. Yeah, you can kill somebody. You, yeah. Yeah. Oh, here we go. This is Fox 35. Orlando. We're watching it, buddy. He walks right up. Fuck, yeah. Like, you didn't even fucking see him, little fucking bitch. Oh. He's knocked out. Yeah, he's definitely knocked out cold. Yep. Oh, it's a hammer fist, too. It's yeah. not even like a... Right. Oh, yeah, look, look, look. He's, he's standing over him like he's a fucking tough guy. Yeah, you little fucking pussy cunt. Yeah. I fucking hate people And he's like smiling, that. too. Yeah. Uh... So yeah, let's go back to this conversation. Wow, this one really makes me fucking angry. <laughs> I fucking hate people like that. So this this brings up a great conversation because yeah, this yeah. is why I wanted to bring this up. Yeah. Is there anything I've worse? I've also been drinking, by the way, so I'm a little fucking, you know. Yeah. If is there anything worse <laughs> yeah. than a baseball dad? No. I can't, dude. It's it's the worst. And I'm talking about the kid. There, the kid's really good. Mm. Really good. And he's just trying to guide him to get to that fucking college level. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I hate it. Coming yeah. from somebody who played like baseball. You're on my fucking page. Now, now uh, I, I will, let, let's say this. Not all baseball dads. No, 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 no. Now, we're all. talking about the dads the, who quit their kids in spring ball. Yeah. Fall AAU ball, or uh, all-stars. All-stars. Like, fucking one yeah. sport, baseball, all year round. Fucking the the dad who goes up to the coach after practice and yeah. cusses him out because right. his kid played. Fuck it, he did. They didn't let him pitch for that day, or yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. they stuck yeah. him in left field yeah. when he's a fucking. Oh, my kid's a shortstop. My like, kid's it, a shortstop. He's fucking nine years old. It's like, bro, Look how fucking amazing yeah. he is. We're talking like middle school. We're talking yeah. sixth grade little league, bro. Yeah. Relax. I yeah. hate. Like it's so embarrassing. How's my son going to get a scholarship when he's fucking ten? And, and the best you, part put him is out what right you, field. the best part is what you said too is baseball Karens are even worse because yes. they they don't even actually have the balls to like step up to the coaches. Yeah. They just cry and bitch from their little fucking oh lawn chair behind the fence. Let me, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you a little I've story. I've seen it yeah. so many times. Right. Now, for me, I'm, I've am i always been a football dude. You know, I've played football. Um, coached I football. Coached football. I follow football year-round. Like, it never stopped. American football for our overseas friends. Yeah. And my, my sons, um, I, I failed them miserably because they went on to play baseball. Now, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, football. You're playing football. But, uh, yeah, they want to play uh, baseball. You know, they fucking love it. Whatever. I support them. Now, all throughout the years, I'm not a baseball dude. You know, I I'll, I'll go I'll go watch a game, you know, a professional game all day long. I don't enjoy playing it. I don't enjoy watching it on TV. Yeah. And when your kids are like seven, eight, nine years old and they're playing fucking baseball, and the innings are like fucking three hours long. <laughs> yeah. they're, like, they're in the fucking dug. They're 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 out in the outfield just playing with flowers yeah. and shit. I love like, it. Like I'm, my son I'm plays people right now. I'm like, sitting there as a parent and I'm picking grass. I'm just like this fucking. Am I? What have I done in my life? What the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> I just want my kid to play football. Right? I just want my kids to play fucking football. What is wrong with football? But anyways, and I, I used to sit there and I used to listen. Like like you said, the dads the dads are all up. Yeah, and you know whatever you can say it's sexist whatever but 
the dads are, you know, they're up up against the fence and they're watching and they're yeah. like fucking yelling into the dugout to their fucking kids, you know, oh, you gotta fucking do this. Step it up. Yeah. Step it up, Jimmy. You know, and the moms are always like over a little off to the back yeah. and they're they just got, like. They have wine in their tumbler. Right. <laughs> fucking like, we don't know you're just and, getting drunk, wino Karen. Yeah. And they are talking the biggest fucking shit yeah. on fucking everybody. Yeah. Like, they're talking shit on the coach. They're talking shit on the coach's wife. They're even talking about, like, the lady that just walked away. Dude, I've seen it. Played baseball my whole life. Yeah. From from T-ball all the way through right. All-Stars, through all it, through high like, school. I didn't involve myself in any of the, like, the dad stuff or the mom stuff, nothing. I, I was there strictly as a witness to the whole fucking operation. Yep. And so... Like, I would listen to these conversations, and it was just fucking awful. Yep. It was painful. Why is it? Like, because you never, that, that doesn't happen in basketball. Even, like, at a high-level AAU teams and stuff like that, you don't yeah. see that with basketball. Like, the parents don't go crazy on the couch. It's, it's, right. it's, on, I've only seen it. Football, they can get a little chippy and stuff like that and argue, like, back and forth with the coach, but it's, it's not the same. It's football, is it? It's not, it, but it's not the same no, as baseball for some reason. I don't know you what know it is. I, I know why. I don't know what because it is. Because I see the same exact thing with soccer. Soccer parents are exactly the same way as baseball parents. And you know what's even worse? Lacrosse parents. Oh, see, I don't, don't even... I know. Now, never, where, where does this tell you? Where does this tell you? What, the white... <laughs> <laughs> where you going? I'm just saying. I'm not... No, I'm just saying. That the more exclusive of the sport... Ah. The, the... No, because the golf team is not fucking... Is not... The golf dads are not screaming at their fucking golf coach. Uh, but then again, that's an individual sport. It's individual, on you. Right? Only you can fuck yes, that up. Yes, yes. Um... I'm just saying, the more exclusive of the sport, the 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 caddier the fucking parents are. So, anyways, back to the thing. Back to fuck that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody who sucker punches an umpire who who's getting paid probably five fifteen dollars to yeah. ra- ra- uh, ump that game. Who's doing it because he just loves Base, yeah, baseball. baseball. Yeah, like oh, I love baseball. I like being out here with the kids. Oh, yeah. I like contribute. Like, and yeah. this poor guy gets sucker punched because some punk ass kid is mouthing off to him. Oh my god, crazy. I. I, oh, I hope, I hope, he, I hope, and you know what's so crazy too? That guy is probably such a nice guy. He's not going to press charges on the dad. I have that weird feeling. It doesn't tell you in the oh, article. Lord. Yeah, I could just see like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. A guy who takes his time on days off. A sixty-three-year-old umpire, a military vet, yep. just an all-around nice guy. Like, hey, on my day, on my day off, I'm going to just go. That's a fe- oh wait a minute, that's a felony, isn't it? Yeah, it's an aggravated it's assault. Se- no, no, senior. Uh- Senior ab- uh, abuse, whatever the fuck it's called. He's not 65. I think 65 years. Mm. When do you get Social Security? 63. What? Yeah. It's early. I mean, it's early. It's early Social Security. All right. My first job was at McDonald's. Yeah. First job I ever had in my life. <laughs> okay. 16 years old. I was okay. at McDonald's. Okay. And you couldn't get a senior coffee unless you were 65 years old. And I knew this because yeah. they tried to fucking, they would try to like what sneak What if you have it. your AARP card? Do you get that in the 50s? I don't know. They had no. Oh, that's what we would go off of. So yeah, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, A A R P. I think it's like fifty five. I think mm. you get that card. And, and speaking of, yeah, for all our listeners out there, I'm yeah. telling you right now, as mm. someone whose first job at sixteen, yep. was McDonald's. Mm. I highly recommend all your kids. Their first job is at a fucking fast food place because I'm telling you, when you look around there. The only thing you realize is that, holy shit, I got to get my life together because I never want to work here for the rest of my life again. <laughs> Just FYI. It's actually, a very, actually it's a very good teaching, teaching Some lesson. Some people actually do. 
Like I, I know people who. Well, yeah, you can go the actually management route in McDonald's and like becoming a franchisee. That's a very good lucrative. They, yes, that's yes. what that's what I'm. I'm talking about saying. a crew member for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Like you're, that you're working the fries at in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're 47 years old. You're still working the fries. <laughs> Yeah. Passing out mixtapes. Yeah, mix <laughs> I'm tapes. telling you, this guy in McDonald's. Dude, I love no! <laughs> I'm telling you, baby, I'm going to blow up one day. Oh, man. I loved, I loved and hated that job at the same time. Because the, the characters that would roll through there on a weekly basis were out of control. <laughs> which, which, nor, which, uh... In Norwich McDonald's. Northtown or, or... No, the one uh, by Exit 80. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, by that, DMV? Not Norristown, the, yeah, the DMV one. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that was my first gig. Yeah, that was. Me and my three friends worked there too, so it was a shit show. <laughs> my first, my when I was sixteen, I worked at a, a pizza joint. Family, family owned, like family mom and pop pizza. Yeah, joint. like a privately yeah. owned, and you know, me being a, a teenager and being a fucking asshole, I would tell my friends to call in and order pizza. So they would call in, order like three pizzas or whatever, and then never come and pick them up. Mm-hmm. So when I left. You know, I'd have them call them, call out, call in at like eight thirty, nine o'clock. So when the restaurant closed at ten, you know, nobody came and picked up the pizza. So I would walk out with, you know, the owner would be like, "Oh, here you go, Dave. Yes, is here, Dave? No, well, nobody came to pick these up. So you can have these. <laughs> you can have them. You, yeah. you call. Hey, the the, pot, the shop closes at ten. Call yeah. at nine. So it's right. still hot when so I get I'd in walk the car. Out, I, I would walk out with the pizza and then go to my friend's house. Very similar. I did the same thing, but I was also fired for promoting too much food. <laughs> my friends would come through the like all my friends from high school would come through the drive-through, and yeah. I'd just be like, "Yeah, free Big Mac, free this." <laughs> Dropping an extra. I fry. got away with it for months, yeah. and then until one of the the managers was like, she finally realized how many promos were on my like when she did my balance of my thing and yeah. then she's like where's all the coupons yeah. I go they're in the bottom of the register psych <laughs> I had no coupons for the free promos yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I actually feel bad I'm sorry I, the restaurant owner's name was Cipriano I, I'm, I apologize eventually when that gets out he's gonna be pissed yeah he's dead long, oh okay yeah. well R.I.P. Mr. Cipriano. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the pizzas, bud. <laughs> he could have retired earlier if I didn't steal all the fucking pizzas. I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of assholes. Yeah, that's me. All right. So, all yeah, right. that's it for Criminal A. Uh, for uh, Florida Man. <laughs> Criminal AF. We'll be back after this quick break. Now back to Criminal AF. All right. Now, this fucking episode, I am going to tell you. I, like you need to have a strong a strong stomach because it's gonna be a good one. This is this is gonna be a good one. This is this is a man we discussed earlier who would write crime stories. He was also a cop in Florida, but his stories were a little little, little graphic, mm-hmm. you know, a little too graphic, which makes you think: were they just made up stories, or did they actually happen? Mm. Well, what we're about to find out. They actually happen. They actually fucking happen. Kind of like the way I say that if bodies started showing up in Norwich, right? It, you know, it's does Dave, Dave just have? Does Dave just have a? Where were you? Yeah, uh, does Dave Jari just have a true crime podcast, or does he actually commit crime? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we, there's a body in fucking ten ten feet from here <laughs> that they just found. I, I, you guys, I've been telling you this. Anybody who's been listening, I've been telling you this. <laughs> <laughs> the Mohegan Park Strangler. <laughs> I, well, that was one of my my serial killer names back. In, remember when you asked me what my serial killer, my, what my moniker would be? The clitoris Cannibal. Yeah, the Clitoris Cannibal. Yeah. Or my backup 
was the Norwich necrophiliac. The ne- yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that guy, that 35-year-old man that they found wasn't necro- <laughs> necrocized? How, what's the word? I mean, I mean, the whole. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's get into the story. Let's get into the story. <laughs> Many crime authors write made-up stories from the dark depths of their imagination. While some authors write fantastical stories based on real criminal events, and others tell the true, detailed stories of a crime with factual evidence from court records. One author wrote his stories with a different approach. Unknown to his readers, he was the one actually committing the crimes, and he did not spare a single, gruesome detail. Gerard Schaefer's stories were marketed as fiction. However, in hindsight, some believe his stories were the truth about how he killed a number of his alleged victims. The true crime author was the true criminal. A lot of true crime writing lacks authenticity. The protagonist is a voyeur in their own story. The authors are usually good people who can boast that they've not done anything worse and accidentally run a red light. The main problem with criminals is that they're typically too compulsive and uneducated to lend an articulate voice to their crimes. Gerard Schaefer masqueraded his nauseating graphic murder tales as fiction. He was convicted of two murders, suspected by authorities of more than two dozen, and frequently boasted that his death toll was higher than 80. The sufferers and all of his plots were women, and his stories were used as evidence to prove his level of culpability. With titles like Flies in Her Eyes, Whores, What to Do About Them, and Blonde on a Stick, his stories were based off of murders he committed, but the exact wording can't be placed to exact crimes. His published books, Killer Fiction and Beyond Killer Fiction, gave the idea that these were real accounts from the actual murderer. They were all real, no matter how much the names and places had been changed. He continued his writing behind bars. Some stories that he wrote were true accounts while others were part of his dark fantasies. In one of his stories, simply titled Whores, he reminisces about hanging a prostitute and having sex with her corpse. In another story named Spring Break, He tells the story of fatally stabbing and disemboweling a co-ed during sex. Which of these are real and which are fiction? It's hard to tell with a mind as dark as Schaefer's. What made Schaefer this way? Was he always this dark soul wanting and needing to kill? Gerard Schaefer was born on March 25, 1946, in Wisconsin, and then raised in Atlanta, Georgia. He was the first child of three to Gerard John Schaefer Sr. and Doris Marie Runcy. His family permanently relocated to Florida in 1960. Schaefer described his childhood as troubled and turbulent, mostly because of his family's frequent relocations. His father was also an alcoholic and was often verbally abusive to his wife and children. His father's frequent absences also made Gerard Jr. weary of his father, and he also felt that his father liked his sister more, 
and the constant belittling cemented those thoughts. This made it so Gerard became closer with his mother, and Doris was extremely protective of her children. When Schaefer was a child, he preferred outdoor activities. This love of the outdoors turned into an interest in nature, and he collected guns and loved to hunt and fish. These activities he would share with his father when he was home and not being abusive. Gerard wasn't really a loner growing up, but his classmates would say that he was not part of any clique. He would often pursue his interests alone, and he was viewed as an outdoorsman, and they believed he would become a forest ranger. When Schaefer was just 12, he would tie himself to a tree and, quote, I'd get excited sexually and do something to hurt myself. The violent self-loathing went back to his earliest childhood games. In these games, he says, I always got killed. I wanted to die. My father favored my sister, so I wanted to be a girl. I was such a disappointment to my family. To my father, he loved my sister. I couldn't please my father, so in playing games, I always wanted to be killed. By the time Schaefer was a teen, he had developed erotic fantasies of hurting women who he thought were worthy of his contempt. These fantasies evolved into sadomasochism and bondage. He would always wear women's underwear until he reached orgasm via autoerotic asphyxiation. These fantasies would increase in terms of frequency and intensity with time, gradually dominating many of his waking hours. Schaefer also became a peeping Tom in his mid-teens and developed the habit of cross-dressing. His female classmates viewed him with disdain. Barbara Krolek, a former classmate, later recalled, I can't remember him being friends with any of the guys. He was always on the outside looking in. As a matter of fact, the only thing I really remember is that I always had to tuck my skirt under my legs because he would practically stand on his head to look up a girl's skirt. Although his social life was not very social, his teachers would call him a promising student. He was a member of the varsity football team during his sophomore and junior years, and he is known to have been an excellent golfer. When he graduated from St. Thomas Aquinas High School in June of 1964, he briefly worked as a fishing guide in the Everglades before enrolling at Broward Community College. While at Broward, he started as a social studies major, but in September of 1964, he switched to teaching. Upon completion of his sophomore year at Broward, he applied for, and was accepted for, scholarship at Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton where he began his studies in 1968 with aspirations to obtain a Bachelor of Arts in Education. In December of 1968, Schaefer married his fiancée, Martha Louise Fogg, a fellow FAU student. She was two years younger than him, and they had met at Broward. Their relationship soon soured, both due to Schaefer's incessant demands for sex and his spending much of his free time hunting. Gerard and Martha divorced on May 2, 1970, she cited his extreme cruelty as the reason for their separation. Gerard worked as a teacher for a time. He was not successful in this. He was hard-headed and didn't accept advice from his superiors and co-workers. He was also underqualified and had very limited knowledge on the subject he taught. He was only a teacher for a little over a year. His next endeavor was becoming a police officer. He started as a security guard with the Wackenhut Corporation. 
on September 1st, 1970, he applied for a vacancy within the Wilton Manors Police Department. He did not disclose that he had twice been fired from teaching positions and falsely claimed to have acquired two years of experience as a research assistant at FAU. They did not verify his work history and he was formally inducted into the Broward County Police Department in September of 1971. He graduated as a patrolman at the end of the year at the age of 25. While Schaefer was still working as a security guard in 1971, he met a 19-year-old secretary named Teresa Dean. They married in September of that year. This marriage was more harmonious because Teresa gave in to his demands for sex, and she also shared his passion for fishing in locations such as the Florida Keys. Schaefer only lasted six months at the Wilton Manors Police Department. His performance was considered poor, although he did receive accommodation from his superiors in March of 1972 for his actions during a raid on a drug house. He was dismissed from his position when his superiors discovered his habit of stopping cars driven by females who committed minor traffic infractions. He would enter the license plate numbers into a database to obtain personal details about them before contacting them to request dates. Our writer police officer wasn't as slick as he may have thought. He was overconfident in his position as an officer. On July 21st, 1972, Schaefer encountered two teenage hitchhikers named Nancy Ellen Trotter and Paula Sue Wells, aged 18 and 17 respectively. He drove the two girls to their destination while scolding them about the dangers of hitchhiking. Once he learned that neither girl was native to Florida and that the two were intending to travel to Jensen Beach, Schaefer proposed to drive them there himself. The girls accepted the offer and agreed to meet him at a bandstand on East Ocean Boulevard at 9.15 a.m. The next morning, Schaefer met up with the girls as agreed upon. He was not wearing his uniform, and he was driving his own car. Despite these facts, he told the girls he was still on duty. He told them he was undercover and driving an unmarked car. Not long after departing, Schaefer deviated from their intended route. He told them he wanted to show them an old Spanish fort. He also continued to lecture the girls about hitchhiking and accepting rides from random strangers and told them that they could be sold into white slavery. He finally ended up stopping by a dilapidated shed deep inside a remote forest, where he handcuffed and gagged the girls. He took one of the girls to a large cypress tree close to the Indian River. He tied her legs to the trunk just below her knees before binding a noose around her neck. The other end of the rope was tied to a branch in such a manner as to force her to stand on the exposed roots to counter the pressure from the noose. Schaefer then took the other girl to another tree, where she was bound in a similar manner. Both girls were told that he was going to rape and kill them. Just at that moment, Schaefer received an urgent radio dispatch, telling him to report back to the police station immediately. He had no choice but to leave the girls bound and gagged while he had responded to the call. He threatened both girls that he would soon return, and that he was to confer with the individual that he was intending to sell them to. The girls, of course, escaped. When Schaefer returned to the forest almost two hours later, he made the discovery of their escape. Panicked, 
he immediately returned home and called his station where he spoke to Sheriff Robert Crowder. He told the sheriff, I've done something very foolish. You'll be mad at me. Schaefer then downplayed what he had done and explained that he was trying to teach the girls a lesson on the risks of hitchhiking, but that he overdid the job. He then explained that he had abandoned the girls in the swampland near Hutchinson Island, not far from the Indian River. The sheriff and Lieutenant Melvin Waldron immediately proceeded to Florida State Road A1A, where they discovered a desperate, partially gagged teenage girl with her hands tied behind her back, swimming via a flutter kick in a river. As the officer slowed to a halt, they observed the distraught girl clamber from the riverbank with sections of her jeans and blouse shredded, attempting to get their attention. They removed the gag from the girl's mouth, and she identified herself as Nancy, and told them that her friend was somewhere in the forest. It was brought to her attention that her friend had escaped the forest and flagged down a truck driver and was already brought to the station 45 minutes earlier. Both girls told the story of how Schaefer abducted them, tied them up, and left them. They explained how they escaped and how they had to carefully loosen the rope because one slip and they would have been hanged. Schaefer, of course, repeated his innocence in that he was trying to teach them a lesson, but his story was not believed. He was dismissed from the force and placed under arrest for false imprisonment and aggravated assault. While out on bail, he returned to the house that he and his second wife had rented. His wife and in-laws reported no change in his demeanor, meaning that they really believed that he was trying to teach them a lesson. Then, on September 27, 1972, Schaefer struck again. He abducted two teenage friends named Susan Carroll Place, age 17, and Georgia Marie Jessup, age 16. The three of them were attending an adult education center in Fort Lauderdale, and that's where they met. He told the girls that he went by the name of Jerry and that he was from Colorado. He said he intended to return there after a trip to Mexico. He feigned interest in the reincarnation and ESP, which Jessup was interested in. He was trying to integrate himself with both the girls and gain their trust. On the afternoon of their disappearance, Susan's mother, Lucille, arrived home to find her daughter straightening her room as Georgia sat upon a chair in the bedroom. Both girls introduced Lucille to a man in his 20s, whom they referred to as Jerry. Susan told her mother that she intended to travel to Fort Lauderdale with Jerry to go to the beach and play guitar. Lucille was a bit suspicious, but Jerry assured her his intentions were innocent. And even though Jerry had calmed her nerves a little, she still made note of his vehicle, a 1969 Datsun. Susan told her mother that she would be gone just for a little while, but she would remain in contact with her. The girls and Jerry left the home at 8.45 p.m. When Susan had not returned after four days, Lucille first contacted George's mother, Shirley, only to learn that her daughter had run away on September 27th. Because of this, the girls were reported missing to the Oakland Park Police. Lucille provided a vehicle registration and a physical description of this man named Jerry. The registration was traced to a St. Petersburg resident who did not resemble Jerry Shepard, and they had a firm alibi for the date of the girl's disappearance. 
the only Jerry Shepard registered as living in Fort Lauderdale, was also eliminated by police inquiries, and by early 1973, the teenager's disappearance had largely become a cold case. Mary Alice Briscolina, 14, and Elsie Lena Farmer, 13, vanished while hitchhiking to a commercial boulevard restaurant from a Lauderdale-by-the-Sea motel in October 26, 1972, less than one month after Susan and Georgia were last seen alive. Their bodies were separately recovered in undergrowth close to Sunrise Boulevard early the following year. Both girls' legs were spread apart. Mary Alice had been beaten about the head with one fatal blow recorded. Many of her fingernails had been torn from her body, implying a hard fight against her killer. Elsie had been bludgeoned to death. The police questioned Mary's friends, and it was revealed that the girls would often visit a Lauderdale-by-the-Sea apartment rented by the older sister of Mary's boyfriend, and that an individual by the name of Gary Shepard had been known to Mary. Three months later, Colette Marie Goodenough and Barbara Ann Wilcox, both 19, disappeared while hitchhiking from Sioux City, Iowa, to Florida. Both were last seen alive in Biloxi, Mississippi. Their disappearance occurred while Schaefer remained free prior to the beginning of his sentence for the abduction of Trotter and Wells. Their skeletal remains were discovered scattered close to a large tree in an orange crate in January of 1977. Both victims had been bound together with bailing wire and impressions on the tree branches indicated that one or both victims had been suspended from the tree as their murderer sat or stood upon the orange crate. In March of 1973, Lucille Place discovered a letter written by Jerry Shepard in her daughter's bedroom. She drove to the return address that appeared on the letter, 333 Martin Avenue in Stewart, Florida, only to learn from the building manager that Jerry Shepard had registered at the property under his real name, Gerard Schaefer. Lucille also revisited the car registration that she had provided to the police. She realized that she assumed the car was registered in Pinellas County rather than Martin County. Having the police run the plate from Martin County, it was found that the car was registered as a blue-green Datsun that happened to be registered to Gerard Schaefer, who resided at 333 Martin Avenue. A father and son were searching for discarded aluminum cans and discovered extensively decomposed remains of two individuals scattered around a hole dug among trees in Old Hammock Park in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Deep scratch marks were evident upon the base of the tree, close to where sections of a torso had been bound to the base of a trunk. One victim wore the remnants of blue jeans with a circular emblem of the roadrunner. The other body was completely nude, with a pile of clothes laying nearby in the undergrowth. The location of this discovery was six miles from where Trotter and Wells had been held captive prior to their escape the previous summer. Both girls had been bound and murdered, and their spinal cords were severed at the lumbar and cervical section, and several bones were completely severed with a knife or machete. Their heads had been decapitated after death, and their jawbones sustained numerous fractures. One set of remains, later identified as Susan Place, had also sustained a gunshot wound to her lower jaw consistent with a 22 caliber pistol. There was evidence to show that both bodies were suspended from the tree 
and the initials G.J. had been carved into the tree trunk. Inside a locked bedroom at the Fort Lauderdale residence of Schaefer's mother, police found 300 pages of lurid stories, some including crude drawings Schaefer had penned and typed over the course of several years. These stories detailed the kidnapping, humiliation, rape, and execution by hanging of a number of teenage girls and young women whom he routinely referred to as whores, sluts, and harlots, including two named Belinda and Carmen, and an unidentified woman who he graphically describes hanging at an unknown location close to Powerline Road. The following story I will read was in Schaefer's possession when he was brought in for questioning. This story is extremely graphic. Listener discretion is advised. She was expecting dinner, but instead was driven down a deserted road. She was asked to get out of the car and submitted to a frisk search. Then the handcuffs were locked around her wrists and the blindfold placed over her eyes. She was then led away into the dark to the place of execution. She was assisted in mounting the ladder and sat down on top of it. The hangman's noose was placed over her head after a pillowcase was dropped over her face in a hood arrangement. She sat there very composed and ladylike while I adjusted the rope. She obviously had no inclination of what was about to happen. I told her some stories about Vietnam and then told her I had to make a radio call. I warned her that if she made a sound, that she would be hanged immediately. I went back to the car and had something to drink. I got out and tied the rope to the bumper so that if I pulled away, it would pull out the ladder from beneath her and she would be left hanging. I went back to see her and asked if she was comfortable. She replied that she was getting bored and would I please hurry up with whatever business I had to attend to. I said I would, and before I went back to the car, I made sure that the rope was tight around her neck. She sat there very ladylike in a black chiffon dress with her hair done up and black pantyhose and high heels. She was wearing perfume and was very sexy. I went back to the car and finished off the bottle of wine, and then promptly at 9 p.m., I started the car and backed up quickly. I turned off the car and got out straining to see if the branches were moving in the trees or if there were any other sounds. There were none. After 15 minutes, which I judged to be a sufficient time for her to die, I went slowly forward into the grave of trees where the execution site was arranged. It was nothing more than a rope with a hangman's noose over a limb dangling above the ladder where she was to sit. I had a light, but I almost didn't want to see what I was responsible for. I approached in the dark and could make out her body turning slowly suspended from the tree. I went forward and turned the light. I was a little shocked. There was a considerable amount of blood staining the white pillowcase hood that was over her head. The noose was pulled tight around her neck and her head was tilted to the side because I had placed the noose beneath her left chin. When I was within a few feet of her body, I could see that where her feet had been tied tightly that she had broken the bounds obviously in her violent death throes. One of her high heels was kicked off. 
I was probably shaking as I slowly ran my hand up under her dress just above her knees and began to work upward. I felt a big hard growing in my pants as my hand traveled up her legs, still warm and very much alive to me. The inside of her thighs were wet where she had urinated in her panties. Her underpants and pantyhose were soaked. She was wearing her pantyhose over her panties that were white nylon mesh and very skimpy. I lifted her dress in her wet slip and pulled down the pantyhose over the back of her backside, just leaving her panties. I slipped my fingers beneath the rim of her panties down near the front of her cunt and moved then slowly back towards her asshole, fully expecting and hoping to find a nice pile of shit. My fingers found the hair of her ass an inch towards her hole. Her hole was open and my finger easily slipped into her hot rectum. There was a small amount of excrement littering the crotch of her panties and more clinging to the area around her asshole, but there was not nearly as much as I had hoped to find. I went back to the car and stripped and then returned to the grove. I then untied the rope and lowered her body to the ground where I stripped off her dress and pulled down her panties to around her ankles. I then draped her body over a crate that I had brought along for that purpose and fucked her up her asshole. I shot off almost at once and then felt very sorry for her. Oh, before I took her body down, I forced myself to lift up the pillowcase hood and look at her face. The face was swollen and a little mottled. The eyes were closed and swollen at the temples. Her mouth was open and her tongue was visible but not protruding very much. I was sick at the sight, but I left the hood off because of the blood which I didn't like. After a few minutes, I got on her again and fucked her ass some more. It was still hot in there and I shut off quickly once again. Then I stripped her out and threw her clothes into a pile. I then carried her body over to where I had rigged up a toilet seat between two crates and I sat her limp body upon it. I then went down beneath the seat and stared up at her cunt and asshole and fantasizing that she was in the act of shitting or pissing. After a while I tired of this and left her body in the toilet seat and went back to the car where I slept. After a while I went back to her and for the first time noticed that she was getting cold on the outside but still warm on the inside when I fucked her asshole again. This time I left her nude body sprawled out on the ground with her ass sticking up in the air, sort of like she was kneeling. I went back to the car and went back to sleep, again feeling sick to my stomach. Later, I woke up again and got out and went to her and stuck my dick in her ass again. This time I noticed that not only was she getting cold, but it was also getting stiff too. I woke up cold and went to the car, leaving her laying on the pine needles after humping her hiney and then passing out over her dead nude body. The next time I woke up, it was nearing daylight so I went and took her body, which was becoming stiff, down in the joints of her arms and legs and dragged it over to the rope. I replaced the noose around her neck and hauled her up to see what she looked like in the gray daylight. She was too difficult to haul up very far, so I took her down and hauled her up on a lower limb where I could support her body as I was pulling it up. For the first time after removing her handcuffs, I noticed that her wrists were very bruised, most likely from where she tried to get out of her predicament just before she died. Earlier, I had lain beneath her and looked up her dress with a flashlight, but now, with her hanging there naked, she was not too stimulating. 
I went to the car and got a woman's slip and put it on her. Then as she was suspended from the rope, I stood on a crate behind her and screwed her ass from behind, but it was hard to keep her still on the end of the rope because she was wanting to swing out. Her body was cold by this time, and it was exciting in another way, being able to fuck her cold corpse. I got off inside her ass once more, and then, since it was getting light, I took her down and wrapped her up in a white sheet and took her to the car. I dumped her body in the trunk and picked up her things and wadded them all up except her panties, pantyhose, and slip, which were soaked in her piss. I wanted to save these for souvenirs. I drove to another deserted spot and took her corpse out of the trunk wrapped in the sheet. I half-dragged and carried it about a good 200 yards into the bush along a dike. She was very heavy now and it was real work just to move her. When I got there, I decided I wanted to dump her corpse. I opened the sheet and rolled her out, now noticing that it was full daylight and that she was still wearing one earring and a gold chain. These I took and threw into a canal. Her clothes I also threw into another canal, and then I rolled her corpse down the side of the dike to a palmetto thicket. In the daylight, her corpse was very stiff and cold and grotesque. She had large bruises on her legs from where she probably kicked herself during her death throes. This, together with the distorted face and her bruised wrists, made her appear very unattractive. I propped her up as best I could and stuck it in her asshole again, and then turned her over. For the first time, I really noticed her auburn V covering her cunt. I forced her stiff legs apart as best I could and screwed face to face, which was not easy since she was very stiff and a little tight from the rigor mortis. I finally got my nuts off in her, and then I was exhausted for a while. I sat and then decided to dump her body in the canal. I pulled her body down to the water and pushed her in head first. Her auburn hair swam around as she began to slip beneath the hyanthus. Finally, the water came up over her butt and went into her asshole. I let her feet go, and she sank beneath the water. I went back to the execution site and cleaned up any traces of our having been there and then went to a rock pit where I dumped her pocketbook and the sheet and a few rags and things. Then I went to Lum's and had lunch on her money and didn't enjoy it very much. About two weeks later, I was curious to whether she floated to the surface. I was horrified when I went to see where she was dumped. I saw her body swollen and bloated floating there. She was face down, and her hair was covering her shoulders. Her ass was sticking way up in the air, and I was looking right at what had been her cunt and asshole. The magus had evidently been at work on her, because there was a big hole from her cunt to the top of the crack of her ass, and she stunk to high heaven. She was putrid with all the flies buzzing and landing on her too. I poked her with a stick, trying to get her down under the lilies, but ended up having to pile lilies upon her to hide her corpse which was a funny reddish color. Another few weeks and she was out from under the lilies again, and I tried to sink her with a few blasts from a shotgun. I would almost puke when I got a whiff of her corpse. It was that bad. I would always go there and beat off toward her, just out of range of the smell. Eventually, she began to rot away, and every now and then, when I could stand the stink, I would drag her out and try to mash it with a stick. It seemed even the maggots didn't want to have anything to do with her at a certain point. Anyway, finally I managed to break up the body and make it sink. I took the skull and let the ants eat her brains out if she had any, 
and then I pulled out all the teeth and scattered them over the county. The lower jaw I buried, the rest of her skull, with the face smashed in and the teeth out, I put in another canal some ten miles from the rest of her body. All in all, she's probably scattered over some thirty square miles, and I hope that she will continue to remain among the ranks of the missing, even though there is no possible connection between us. Also found in Schaefer's mother's home were 11 guns, bags filled with live and spent cartridges, 13 hunting knives, sections of rope, and scores of softcore porn magazines in which he had modified the women to depict them as urinating and bound by ropes and hanging from trees. 37 black and white Polaroid photos showed women being hung and mutilated in undergrowth areas in Florida. Some images had Schaefer himself dressed as a woman, simulating being hung with fecal matter smeared across his buttocks. A letter dated July 20th, 1971, from someone who lived in Brunswick East, Victoria, Australia, contained scores of Polaroid images of a massacre that he had encountered in his travels that depicted women who had been disemboweled and mutilated with knives and axes. Inside a jewelry box, investigators found personal items such as jewelry, passports, and clothing belonging to several teenage girls and young women. Robert Ann Wilcox's driver's license and a passport belonging to Colette Marie Goodenough, who had been missing since January 1973, were found in this jewelry box. There were also teeth and scattered bones found on the property as well. These belonged to at least eight victims. At Schaefer's actual home, two human teeth and several knives and firearms were found inside a utility shed. A blood-stained white pillowcase, which had been washed, was also found. Jessup's suede purse was also in the possession of Schaefer's wife that Schaefer had given to her that prior November. On May 18th of 1973, Schaefer was formally charged with first-degree murder for the killings of Place and Jessup. While being held before his trial, he was subjected to psychiatric examinations, and it was found that Schaefer suffered from paranoia, psychosis, and acute sexual deviation. He viewed himself as an eliminator of women, who he deemed immoral. But overall, he was mentally competent to stand trial. Schaefer was sentenced to two concurrent terms of life imprisonment. Even at this point, Schaefer was still proclaiming innocence and that he should be sent to a psychiatric hospital as opposed to prison. On December 3, 1995, Schaefer was stabbed to death on the floor of his cell. He had been stabbed over 40 times about the face, neck, head, and body, with his throat also being slashed, his right eye destroyed, and several ribs fractured. His body was discovered after a fellow inmate informed staff of his death. A 32-year-old fellow inmate named Vincent Faustino Rivera had killed Schaefer following an argument over who received the final cut of hot water from a dispenser days prior to his murder. Rivera never admitted to it, though, and it is suspected that he was really killed because he was rumored to be an informant. Many people say that he finally got what he deserved. Jessup's mother was satisfied with the news of his death, saying she knew it would happen sooner or later. Gerard Schaefer was a sick man. He had dark obsessions and disgusting interests. He acted upon these obsessions many times. He wrote about them. He drew them out. He was a horrible man who tormented these girls before and after their deaths. He isn't as famous as Bundy or Gacy, but he is just as notorious and perhaps even more deranged. 
people should know his story and the story of these poor girls. Yet, he has faded into obscurity. Criminal AF would be back after this quick break. Now back to Criminal AF. For anybody to name their true crime articles or stories or whatever, flies in her eyes, horrors what to do about them, and blonde on a stick. They're pretty catchy. <laughs> they are. They are catchy. Pretty catchy. I mean, it would it would draw draw your attention, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like what the fuck? You know what I mean? I mean, I I mean, there's dude, there's some crazier shit than that out there. I'm 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 sure, but I mean, if you're going through like Barnes and Noble, you know, some fucking flies on her eyes. <laughs> flies on her eyes. What the fuck is this all about? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's in the kids section. <laughs> a new Dr. Seuss book, flies yeah. on her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my There's flies in her eyes I do not want those flies on her eyes <laughs> so, so. <laughs> I'm say some crazy shit But I'll leave it on that I hope she cried Before her flies on her eyes <laughs> Before the flies Went in her eyes Oh my <laughs> Is that a sty? <laughs> no, it's a fly it's in a her fly. eye. <laughs> and then the whole time it's just like a the the who like the yeah. animated face of a dead fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fly buzzing around. The fly buzzing around. Like what kind of Doctor Zeus book is this? <laughs> oh man. Another thing I want to touch on is like Schaefer was when he was growing up. You know, he wasn't really you know part of a clique he wasn't popular but you know people were like okay with him but he was viewed as a outdoorsman you know as we talked about in the story when he was 12 he would tie himself to a tree and he would get sexually excited and do things to hurt himself at 12 is that's pretty crazy that is fucking nuts dude when you actually put it into context but 12 is like i remember i mean i saw my first porn when i was in fifth grade your first porn my first porn was fifth grade. So, like, that's what I mean. So, like, yeah, so fifth grade is, like, 11. But then again, that's also... I was born in 1991. Yeah. Late 90s. Dude, I was parents, slaying back in I know. You were, yeah. I was slaying Bro, in I, I saw my first pair of tits on a fucking website back in there. <laughs> no. No, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah. we still... We had un filtered access to the internet right too yeah, so it was yeah. like 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 i know what my kid's doing on their ipads like i have history like that kind of stuff like right. they, that, our parents didn't give a fuck we had the family computer out in the living room yeah. i've talked about it on this podcast a million times yeah. but like our generation were the first ones that had like we we saw shit way too young yeah so it like i yeah so nine nine like 12 is it's a big jump nine to 12 it, yeah. i feel like years at that age are is a huge huge uh right like jump in now I want to I want to like this is going to bring up something totally up and and everybody listening at home like I I'm, I'm sure you're accustomed to us talking about one thing and then just like randomly <laughs> going off on something fucking else but here here it is do you think we we've, we've become desensitized to like a lot of things yeah for sure okay so hear me out yeah I'm gonna bring up something that's not that nice okay but well I'm gonna bring up the school the shooting in Allen Texas for instance yes we were talking about this the other day yes. yeah I saw the video mm. from the guy who was there. It was. It's gone. It's really hard to find now. It was. It came out right. It was there. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. everywhere there. When they came, when he came in with the camera and he saw that little girl. Yeah. 
I don't know, she probably was six, seven. Yeah, and it was like three or four other bodies. Yeah, with yeah. her head wigged open and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was it, it insanely tough video to watch. Yeah. Coming from someone who watches gore videos and shit yeah. like that, I, yeah. I I've done it since I was younger. Yeah. It didn't it doesn't affect me the same way that some like I feel like like you said, it, it, I'm desensitized to it yeah. to an, a point, right. but I feel like the only way that people are going to really realize, like the older generation, well, we, we who, yes. who okay. has been uh, kind of seen lens lenses like through like a filtered lens yes. with these news stories and these horrific things. Yes, I think they need to see that mm-hmm. to understand like the grand scope of things. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I, I think yes. I think the younger generation has become desensitized one hundred percent. It's kind of, it's kind of like you know we've we've mentioned this like numerous times on this on this you know podcast. You know we talk about uh, you know we always bring up uh, uh, fuck what's his name from from Manson. You know he was stabbed fifty four times. Yeah, yeah. You know we could talk about somebody being stabbed fifty four times. We could talk about somebody being shot like you know ten times. We could talk about all this other kind of stuff and. People are like, oh shit, wow, that's a, that's a lot, you know. But when you actually see what it looks like to be stabbed fifty four times, it's fucking like gruesome. Yeah, you know what I mean. So uh, I actually asked that at work because you know we were talking about that as well. You know, do, should should we start showing things like that? You know, obviously we have an issue. Yeah. But I, I honestly do think that these motherfuckers who are making these laws and trying to figure this out need right. to see this shit, right. like. I think yeah. everybody's living through a lens, like, oh, a mass murder, blah, blah, right. blah. Right. No, right. go right. see the five-year-old yeah. with their fucking head wigged open on the fucking ground, right. asshole. Right. Now, Gary and I, you know, we, we, we both, we're both in agreement on this, is that something needs to change, you know, because everything that's going on, you know, nowadays is, is just fucking ridiculous. Um, now, do our lawmakers need to see these images? Do our, you know, do our vote, you know, people who are voting for, for, you know, whoever, do they need to see these images? Because, or, or, do, like, again, do people, if we start showing victims of, of mass shootings, are they going to get desensitized? As much as I'd like to say desensitized, and I don't mean to get politically here, uh, politically here, it, it's, it's more of, like you, like like you said, we you hear a news article about a mass shooting or whatever, and then and then you're like, like oh my god, there's like ten dead. Oh, dude, ten dead. Yeah. Oh but like, shit! It's gotten like the headlines have gotten. We've had so many. Yeah. That it doesn't even like you're like ah oh, ten. That's not even that bad. Right. Like at this point, that's how it is. That's yeah. like literally. That's what I say. The the Allen shooter, like oh nine, like that that and that's horrible to say that. Right. The rest of the world, our, our overseas listeners are probably like, dude, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And here in the U.S., we're like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's fine. And and that's I, I, so desensitized. I don't I here's my thing. Those videos that I watch every time I watch a crazy gore video or I see like some fucked up shit, even though I'm desensitized to it, they stick with me. Yeah, they're still there. Like, it, it, I think anybody who understands like you can hear like. If you hear, if there's sounds or whatever, like, you can even hear the sounds in the video. I don't care. what Anybody who's watched, gone down the dark side of the internet understands yeah. what I'm talking about. No, I got you. Yeah, you're desensitized to it. Yeah, you, you, you are okay with watching some pretty fucked up shit. Yeah. But it sticks with you. And I think right. a lot of these video, like, a lot of these tragedies need to stick with some people. So next time when they're having a discussion 
with their Uncle Johnny and or whatever like this. You know what I mean? Maybe that's in the back of their head. Right. You know what I mean? No, I got you. How do we even get on that? Uh, 12-year-old watching porn. Oh, yeah. It's kind of interesting to going back to being desensitized. Yeah. Because uh, usually when you look back at these stories, these boys at a young age were exposed to something. Like yeah. being raped or, right. or being an older uncle that like showed them some fucked up shit or something like that. They right. usually have it. The fact that he was not watching porn. You don't have the easy access to watching. In 1958. Yeah. You're not watching. Scrolling like, the bondage, internet. Watching bondage porn at right. 12. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we are nowadays. Yeah. You have to actually physically. Fucking- so where the fuck did this kink come from? Because you know what I mean? Usually that's that, that sexual awakening. Something happens in that yeah. age that kind of turns them into that's their thing. Yeah. And, and, he, and, and it says this guy his, just started getting rock hard when he tied himself up out of nowhere. Yeah. And it says in a, you know, like in a story that, you know, he had violent, like self-loathing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Masochism is weird. It's, a, he it's like, a, he, yeah, he was a masochist to himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's, that's, that's a normal, you know, thing. Yeah. But to the sexual portion of it is kind of like. Usually you learn that yeah. somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. That out of nowhere, he just started tying himself up and realized that he was getting hard by it. Yeah. And then he started fantasizing about doing it to women. Yeah. And, you know. And Slippery slope. Yeah. He would choke it. Like, he, he would choke himself out and fucking, like, get off on it. Yeah. That's, at that so, age? At that age. So, fun fact, uh, somebody that we close that we work with, I'm not going to say his name on the podcast. But is? Okay. Oh, no, right. no, 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 no. It's, no, no it's, not, it's not weird. No, I'm going to guess. He was an EMT. He was a uh, a paramedic for a long time. A fire department, EMT, paramedic. And uh, he told me story, like, some of, most of the deceased body, like, when you, I forgot what the code they, he called it, but it, it, showing up to a deceased body. Somebody mm-hmm. found a deceased body. Yeah. A lot of them, more than you would think, were people self you choking know choking themselves out. out and masturbating and dying from it isn't that crazy that's like a very good and if anybody listening who's an amt or knows the amt ask them because i guess that happens way more than you think really? that's like a very big kink yeah. like self like suffocating yourself while you're just rubbing one out hmm. so that that doesn't surprise me that's people are into some weird shit man yeah like when did that like when did that become a thing i don't know i think you gotta i think you gotta try it what do you mean? I don't know. You just got to try. I've seen oh, no, like no, no, I, I, hey, hey, I'm down with that. I've, <laughs> I've tried. No kink shame in here. Listen, I have tried fucking pretty much everything. But, you know, it's. Uh, but I'm, I'm just wondering, like, where. <laughs> Who's the first pioneer in the. Well, no, no. I mean. In the <laughs> belt around the neck masturbation. Well, bro. I mean, when did the fucking lead singer from NXS die? He, he, he was. He died from fucking choking himself out. Oh, yeah, out. he did, didn't he? Uh, David Car- uh one of the Carradines. I forget yep. which one it was. He fucking choked himself out. But I'm just saying, it's like, like when did it become mainstream? Now, now, like I understand introdu- introducing like certain things to the bedroom and everything like that. But there's people nowadays, like it's it's common that people cannot have fucking sex or they cannot have enjoyable sex without being fucking abused, fucking uh, gagged, uh, choked, fucking yeah. slapped. You know, just <laughs> fucking degraded while they're having sex. Yeah, is that you crazy? I, mean? I think that that comes down to the ease of access of porn and us watching crazy right. shit. Like porn has like corrupted. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. Now, now imagine if they had the, they had the ease of access in the fifties. Yeah. Where would we we be at at this point? Right. Like, like what if Jerob got his fa- fix? But then again, what if he got his fix? Never mm. started doing it. Right. You know. Yeah. Porn could have saved Jerob. It could have. He could. Yeah. Or just made it fucking worse. 
Because, like, you know, I was my second marriage. I was, I was together for 15 years, right? So a lot fucking changed in 15 years. Now, like I said before, you know, I was experienced and I did. Well, you thought you were experienced. Well, no, I no, no. Listen, I experienced and I did experiment, you know, throughout that time. And been with my with my first wife. Let me tell you, back in the day, I was a fucking freak. But when you when you go back into the dating thing, it's like like it's like the expectation. You know what I mean? It's it's. It's like before, you know, you break out of like a fucking, you know, a paddle or a fucking whip or you fucking, you know, pinching fucking needles with clips and shit. Or you fucking, you know what I mean? Just something to like fucking spice it up in that fucking moment. Now it's like the fucking expectation. Like if you're not beating the fuck out of somebody while you're fucking them, it's like, oh, he fucking sucks in bed. Oh, he's horrible. Oh, he doesn't do it for me. You know, <laughs> she's just laying there like yeah. rolling her eyes. Yeah. Are you going to punch Are me? Are you going to punch me? Right. In the face? <laughs> Yeah, it's getting a little wild out there. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's getting like... wild out I, I was married fairly young. I was 23 yeah. when I got married. Yeah. You know, my, with my wife now. Yeah. Uh, Go and ahead. Tell your story. I'm going to grow a beer. I, I, it makes me, like, wonder. I feel bad for people dating in their, like, late 30s. Because by then, everybody's been around the block for a yeah. while. <laughs> I almost feel bad. I'm like, I the expectation's probably wild it's at that point. It's fucking nuts, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I came, when I came out, I was, I, I, you know, I got divorced and everything and I came out and like, if, if you weren't like, if that wasn't in your automatic repertoire, like you're, you're, you're fucking done for You're finished. You didn't get like a fucking second, you know, no call back. Yeah. No call back. He didn't spit in my mouth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, <laughs> fucking fish hook them. Yeah. You know, fucking spit in their mouth. Well, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> Smashing their face up against the fucking wall while you're <laughs> rambling them from behind. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ, what kind of podcast is it turned into? <laughs> but I'm just saying, like that that's like the dating world now. Yeah. Like you literally have to physically assault you're, somebody. You're pretty much doing the same thing that sparked serial killers in the fifties. Yes. <laughs> right, right? Yeah. At the end of the day. Absolutely. That's their wildest fantasies are just a normal Tinder date. Right. It's a, it's a fucking Wednesday. A regular <laughs> Wednesday on Tinder. <laughs> Crazy. Oh man, hard. But hey guys, good yeah. <laughs> to all you out there on Tinder. Good luck, baby. Right. Keep it up. Yeah. Fucking bulk up. You know, after listening to that story, I completely understand why you gave a warning to our listeners. Bro, it's fucking Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this right through this out here right here. I slipped my fingers beneath the rim of her panties down near the front of her cunt and moved them slowly back toward her asshole. Fully expecting and hoping to find a nice pile of shit. Ugh. And this is a dead body, too. Yes. At this point. Uh, yeah. he, Bro, Dave, I'm like fucking... Dave, Dave's getting oh, the shivers right now. He's my fingers found the hair of her ass an inch towards her hole. Like, Ugh. what the fuck? This is a dead body. Yeah. Like I, like, I don't even think my warning was sufficient enough. Yeah, no. That's... For what we just fucking listened to. Yeah. And, and you now you you also I I think you told me that that story was uh you actually left the you actually you actually left his typos in the story so if, right if, yeah yeah so our Patreon members when when we send out the 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 scripted story they'll they'll see exactly how it was found in his it was found in his person like the typos on his person's right. when the police picked him up. Right. And I do have to give a shout out to Beth Davis because she's the one that brought this story to me. Um, 
and she actually sent me this his his segment yeah you know his story shout out to beth yeah so i was as soon as i read read the story when she sent it to me i was like what in the actual fu-? like this is the most wild fucking like killer that we've done and, and you know and we can only assume it is kind of wild to just spread a dead body and just hope and pray that their excrement their excrements come out oh god because i mean everybody i mean Everybody knows. Well, yeah, you lose that, all your bodily functions. Yeah, eventually your body just, your gases just give out. And he's just like he's sitting just underneath Sitting her. under, staring up her skirt, which was another fantasy of him. Waiting for this dead body to pass, pass its final gases, dude. That's crazy. There was a small mound of excrement littering the crotch of her panties and more clinging to the area around her asshole, but there was not nearly as much as I hoped to find. Dude. I don't even know what to like, say to that. What? Dude. I don't even know what to say. Fuck, dude. I don't even know what to say. Like, this, we this can just, is, like, this just, is a fucking cool guy, dude. We can just this go through. Cool guy. Ugh. We just go through and just fucking, like, just pull out fucking snippets, like, all over the place. Like, and every. It's the, be- just, the best part what is. What the fuck? His writing isn't even good. Like, he doesn't, right. he's not even telling a good story. He's literally just telling about, like,. Like the whole the whole fucking toilet the toilet seat like like you like you just said like who thinks of this? I got bored. I went back to the, he said I got bored. I went back to the car. Yeah. Oh my god. Crazy. I, I, like no words. No words. No. no words. No. This a true true sicko. Like you know we we always talk about you know Garrett and I you know, when we do when we do episodes you know when we go into like the whole discussion part of everything like that you know like we try not to force you know too much you know force information or force you know us talking or force anything and you know we always abide by you know let the story tell itself yeah speak for itself speak for- and I'm fucking speechless on this fun I. To be perfectly honest, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the what else, what else to say. Yeah, I, I don't. Let the story speak for itself. Yeah. And so, with that being said, I mean, take what you just fucking listened to. I don't know what you're gonna do with it. I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. Like this story, by far, just blows every other fucking story out. And we don't, we don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to fucking butter it up. We don't have to make it more yeah. glorified. Just read the we handwritten have, letter in his We don't have to pocket. fucking do anything. Read his fucking story, and it just fucking just, like, ends ends it right there. So, with that being said, if you liked what you heard... <laughs> oh, what a great ending! <laughs> oh, I love it! Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave us a review. And don't forget, you can become one of the debauch by joining our Patreon for as little as $2 a month for general support. Everyone gets ad-free episodes and access to our Discord channel. Hot, hot, hot. Hot. Through the roof. It's hot. Yes. Through the roof. Those who join the $5... I have no fucking idea. (laughs) Those who join the $5 tier or above get all of our audible... This fucking story fucked me up. Get all of our audible video and downloadable content. Including narrated scripts from every story, five minute murder, our Patreon only, not safe for work, bi weekly podcast, random AF. Uh, for the higher tiers, you can get all of this plus producer credits on every episode and goodies thrown in like t shirts, posters, coffee mugs, etc. Just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support to choose your tier. 
Links to our support, socials, merchandise, reviews, and more are in the episode description. Garrett, do you want to sign us off? And signing off from Studio Chloroform. Keep your head on a swivel. Until next time. Now Now give me our theme music. See ya. Executive producers for this episode are Christine Rivera, Beth Davis, and Dusty J. Hicks. Associate producers are Paul Hodge, Noah Schultz, Brooke Morgan, Chantal Seislick, Jay Rawlings, Terry Burke Wollen, and Bethany Cooper. Producers are Devin Dean, Trent Gobble, JD, Jan O'Donnell, Jessica Lloyd, Lisa Perello, Jenny Crawford, Alicia Knight, Laura Shin, Chris Owen, Maria Celine, Beth Esselman, and Aussie Tracy. This story was researched and written by Dorothy Jari, edited and narrated by Dave Jari. For a narrative-only version of this episode, visit Criminal AF Direct, available wherever you listen to podcasts.